day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. Democrat Dave Coulter has been Oakland County Executive now for just over a year. The Oakland County Commission appointed him to serve out the remainder of L. Brooks Patterson's final term after the longtime Republican County Executive passed away of pancreatic cancer. That choice marked the first time a Democrat has served in that position. And now Coulter wants voters to give him his first full term as county executive. But first, he has to get through a primary battle with fellow Democrat and current county treasurer Andy Meisner. Here to talk about his campaign is Oakland County Executive Dave Coulter. Dave, welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, always great to be with you. Thanks. Yes. So let's start here with reminding listeners of your background and how you ended up in this position. <laughs> Two different questions. I'm not <laughs> sure I know the answer to the second one. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, you know, I had served on the county commission, the Oakland County Commission, for four terms. Uh, I was the Democratic leader there uh, from 2002 to 2010. And then uh, after that, I served as the mayor of Ferndale, for almost nine years, I really thought that would be the best job in politics I ever had. I, I, I loved being the mayor of Ferndale. I, I, I love what we were able to do there. Uh, and it was while I was mayor that, as you mentioned, Brooks Patterson died and the board had to make a, a, a an appointment. And they through a through a, a series of circumstances that you couldn't have scripted, uh, they eventually uh turned to me and asked if I would be interested in it. Hmm. And let's talk about what's happened in Oakland County in the last year. Uh, It has been one of the major hotspots for coronavirus spread when it came to Michigan. Uh, Talk about how you have handled the challenges that have presented themselves since you've been in the job. Yeah, thanks. You know, there's been a a number of challenges, and it does seem in some ways that there's, you know, I I delineate this past year as pre-COVID and post-COVID because COVID has obviously changed the way all of us think about the way we interact with each other and and, and the way we operate our lives. Uh, Before COVID, you know, um, I was really proud to be able to move uh, Oakland County along a path that I thought was long overdue. You know, when I was on the county commission, I fought for things like a non-discrimination policy uh, at Oakland County, uh, better wages um, for some of, especially for some of our lower paid employees, greater access to health care was a huge passion of mine. And so to have the the privilege of being in the seat and being able to work on those kinds of issues was, you know, just remarkable for me. And we did. We passed a comprehensive non-discrimination policy in Oakland County. I launched Oakland County Health 360, which is going to transform our health clinics in Oakland County to offer things like primary care, mental and behavioral health care, women's health care. Uh, we, we instituted a $15 an hour minimum wage for Oakland County employees. So a number of progressive policies that I think a lot of us thought were long overdue. Uh, and I'm very proud of that. And then, by the way, the, right before COVID, uh, we went out and talked to the rating agencies because we had done our budget and uh, our finances, and we maintained Oakland County's AAA bond rating, which um, you know I know is very important. And so I was very proud of all of that. And then COVID hit, and so we're definitely living in a post-COVID world now. 
and for that matter, a post-Black uh, Lives Matters world, I would say as well. I think those things are intertwined. But um, um, when it comes to COVID, I would just say that the simple the simple thing is that we le- we listen to the science. We have an incredible public health department in Oakland County. Four epidemiologists on our staff, Stephen, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not sure I could have defined exactly uh, what an epidemiologist was back in February, but I sure know now. And these, and the folks that work there are, are just super smart and, and professional, and, and they know how to address these issues. And so we've really leaned in on the science. Uh, I supported the governor's orders that I think were difficult but necessary to save lives, and we brought the we brought a very high curve in Oakland County down. And I'm very proud of the way that we've done that. And so um, hmm. that's a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, no, that's, that, that's, that's fine. Um, according to Channel 7 News, during the pandemic, 200 Oakland County staffers were either furloughed or working on reduced salaries. But you did not volunteer to take a pay cut. Talk about what happened there and why and how you came up with what needed to be sacrificed uh, while the county's finances were were threatened by the pandemic. Yeah. So um, the simple answer is that um, the county's finances aren't threatened in a way like you've seen in the, maybe the city of Detroit, the state of Michigan, um, our, our, as I mentioned, we have the AAA bond rating and we have a very healthy um, uh, financial situation in Oakland County. And the truth is we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't had to lay off any employees. We haven't asked any employees for pay cuts. There were um, um, a relatively small number of employees who were temporarily furloughed, most of whom worked for the courts. And, you know, the, the courts has been a tricky situation because their work has just sort of disappeared. If you're a court reporter and there's nobody in the courtroom, uh, there isn't a job for you. But those folks, um, those folks will be brought back when that work continues. Um, and so, and so the, the bottom line is that our employees haven't been asked to take a, a pay cut. We, you know, and, and we continue to look very closely at our budget and make sure that we're projecting exactly what the impact of COVID could be. You know, we have a policy in Oakland County that when, when employees are asked to sacrifice, all elected officials are asked to sacrifice as well. Uh, we did that when I was on the county commission during the Great Recession. We asked employees to take a 5% pay cut and all of all the elected officials uh, without exception, volunteer to do that as well. I think that's an appropriate way to address those. Um, uh, unfortunately, in this situation, we don't have to ask, you know, we, we're not asking employees to do that. And yet, you know, one elected official decided, I think that, that he could make some hay out of doing it himself. But I can assure you that when we ask employees to make those kinds of uh, sacrifices, all of us will make them. Mm. So I want to talk about this race that's coming up in August, the, the, the election that's coming up in August. Uh, yeah. County Treasurer Andy Meisner is your opponent in that in that race. Obviously, he's also a Democrat because this is a primary. Uh, the, the, Oakland County is changing in a very dramatic way in terms of its demographics and its politics. And it, it seems very likely that Democrats will get control of uh, of the county executive seat uh, in an electoral sense uh, this fall. Uh, But I wonder if you can help us put some daylight between you and your positions and Andy Meisner, who 
is, uh, you know, a longtime Democratic figure in Oakland County, has been the treasurer for uh, a good while, and and who is uh, is saying that he should be the person who should lead the county. What is what is in your mind the distinction between the two of you? Yeah, I mean that's that's obviously what this election is about, isn't it? And you know, let me just say, primaries. Uh, you know, when you have to run against someone in your own party, it's 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 a necessary but uh, you know awkward. Uh, part of politics, and I've been in in Democratic primaries before, and it's it's in a lot of ways um, a lot more uncomfortable than a general election, where the lines are so much clearer between perhaps myself and a Republican. You know, Andy was running for the job before I got appointed, and so you know he, uh, which is which you know certainly is his right, and he made the choice not to discontinue that race after I got appointed. And again, absolutely his right. And so um, and so we, we find ourselves in, like I said, this rather awkward situation. But, um, I, you know, I guess what I would ask people to do is judge me by my record and the leadership that I provided, not only in the last year here in Oakland County, but the nine years as, as, as mayor of Ferndale, because frankly, there's a lot of things I think we did in Ferndale that I'd like to see happen in Oakland County, making us a more diverse and welcoming county for folks, uh, taking a look at criminal justice reforms, um, maintaining our fiscal position while still being a, a progressive and innovative place. That's that's my record in Ferndale, and that's what I've tried to do uh, as county executive. So I think I have a, you know, I, I may not have been a countywide official um, uh, for the past 10 years, but I, I have an 18-year record of service, and I, I hope people look that um, it's not just a record of service, but a record of results. And um, I think if you look at that, you'll, you'll see somebody who is um, very comfortable in the job, uh, very competent at the job, and moving this county and like I said, at long last, in in a direction on some issues that's that's been long overdue. Um, but but would you would you say that that you and Andy have areas that you would approach really differently to, in, in the job? I mean, I'm I'm trying to to, to help yeah. listeners understand what the real distinctions are between the two of you. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and like I said, that you know, that that's the challenge of a primary. The distinctions are more nuanced mm-hmm. than they would be in the general election. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'll share with you when it comes to transit. I'm a huge transit, mass transit proponent. Uh, I ran on that issue back in 2002, uh, and I've been trying to to be part of the solution around mass transit in Southeast Michigan for 18 years. Um, uh, we fought earlier this year in the legislature to change uh, the RTA legislation so that we could allow Macomb to, to make the decision to stay out for now if they wanted to, and we could move ahead with a three-county plan. We had all the leaders in the county uh, supportive of that. We had bipartisan support in the legislature. Um, Andy wasn't on board with that, and, and I don't understand why, and I think my transit friends are, are questioning why. He was saying things like we need personal mobility accounts and, and, and Uber credits for folks, which may be part of a, a you know, transportation uh, package in, in the larger sense, but it's not mass transit and it's not what we need to get done now. And he, he wasn't there and he wasn't in that fight and it wasn't you know, clear to me why. So I think, you know, I think our views on transit have, have diverged mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, 
So that so I would say that's one example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm talking with Dave Coulter, Oakland County Executive. He is running for his first full term as executive in the August Democratic primary, and if he's successful there, he will face off with a Republican opponent in November. Uh, if you want to give us a call and have questions for Dave Coulter, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Dave, I want to ask you about transit in particular. Uh, this is something we've struggled with in this region my entire life. Uh, and, Mine too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and we've made some progress, but not nearly enough. I, I wonder what you make of the challenge and the opportunity to actually get to a more substantive regional transit plan. Uh, where are we with that, and and what role do you think you can play in shifting the narrative away from the failures of the past and onto something that will actually work for people? Well, I'd start by saying I think that me being in this role uh, creates a great opportunity. I mean, there's no question that Brooks Patterson was part of the obstacle to why we don't have transit in Metro Detroit today. He was never a fan of it. He eventually kind of got to a, a neutral spot, I suppose, but he was never a proponent of it, and he never worked towards it. And I think part of my selection uh, made people realize that we now have, you know, someone in this spot that that, that actually is a is a proponent. And so uh, I think we have a real opportunity with me or a Democrat in this spot. And um, but but I also have a whole new appreciation for the challenges. Um, we, you know, we worked very hard on this right from the beginning of my, you know, my administration uh, with Mayor Duggan and Warren Evans and Mark Hackle were part, was part of that initial discussion, Jason Morgan uh, from Washtenaw, uh, and the leaders in Lansing, because we have to change the legislation that was originally written in order to do this in a new way. So, so we worked very hard on that, and we reached what everybody thought was a great uh, bipartisan um, solution and we had the leader of the House and Senate in, in Lansing, both Republicans supportive of this. But there is a there is a contingent of people, and in Oakland it's primarily folks up in the northern end of the county, some some to the west, who who are just very skeptical about transit, don't think that it will add value to their lives or their communities. And and I get that and I respect that. And what we need to do is craft a plan uh, that offers as much value as possible for those folks, uh, and and primarily that looks like connecting them to the to the system at large. You're never going to have a a train or a bus go all the way to Holly, but there does need to be transit services for people in Holly to get them to the to the places that they need to go as well. And so the plan is really important. And and I was you know so. Um, I was optimistic earlier this year that we might get something on the ballot this November, but the legislature uh, uh, went another route. Sometimes Lansing's a place where good ideas go to die, and, and uh, uh, some of those Republican lawmakers from northern Oakland, and as well as some other places in the, in the state, uh, rallied to, to shelve that proposal. But I'm not done. 
uh, not by a long shot, and this will continue to be a priority for me. And I think we can get it done. I, I really am optimistic. I think that if we get a good plan, not the 2016 plan exactly, because there's improvements that needed to be made to that, but if we get a good plan before the voters um, and let them take a take a good look at it, I think they'll understand that the benefits to Metro Detroit um, are, are, are just too good to pass up. If you look at the regions of the country that have invested in their mass transit systems over the last 10 years, they're growing by an average of about 17%. Metro Detroit, which obviously hasn't invested in this, has shrunk by 6% over the last 10 years, not exclusively because of transit. But what we know is when you invest in transit, Young people stay in the region. Employers want to be in the region. Employees like being able to get to their jobs easier. Our seniors and our people with disabilities have an easier time. It just makes the region work better. And so I'm, I, I remain optimistic that we will get uh, transit started uh, in Metro Detroit in, in a relatively short future. Mm. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Katie in Birmingham. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Coulter, I'm a big fan. You said something at the opening of your conversation, though, and Mr. Henderson, perhaps you can help me get the context, but you threw off a comment about being sort of past Black Lives Matter. I know I'm not saying it exactly like you did, but I'd like you to pick up on that comment for me because I didn't understand what you could possibly mean. Oh, no, I'm sorry if I, yeah, no, I'm saying that we are now in an environment of not only COVID, but Black Lives Matters. And so the, the, the way that we have to look at issues uh, is through a lens of both of these things. No, we're not, we're not past it. We're barely at the beginning of it, in, in my view. In fact, uh, so thank you for, for letting me clarify that. We actually just hired, I just hired a, I think it's the first in the, in the state to do this, a chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer in Oakland County, a woman that just started on July 1st in my office, reporting directly to me. Because what I've said is we're going to look at everything we do in Oakland County, all the programs that we provide, all the services, uh, through this lens of is it equitable? Is it fair to everyone? And there's, uh, we, we had been working on this before the George Floyd um, murder, but... Given the environment that we're in now, it's even more critical that we make sure that we uh, look at all of the things that we're doing through this lens and, and look at it, frankly, differently than we might have six months ago. And so thanks for letting me clarify that. Mm. Uh, Katie, thanks very much for the call. Uh, I want to follow up on that on that subject as well. When you were mayor of Ferndale, the ACLU of Michigan investigated Ferndale's police department for targeting black motorists. And in its 2015 report, the organization said that while African-Americans are less than 10% of the Ferndale population, black motorists receive 60% of traffic citations written in an 18-month period between 2013 and 14. Uh, The ACLU said after acknowledging these disparities, Ferndale didn't really appear to be making significant changes to address that issue. Can you talk about how you approached that issue as mayor of Ferndale? Yeah, yeah, because the second part of that is where I very much disagree with the ACLU. Let me tell you, I, I, you know, I wasn't born and raised in Ferndale. I was born and raised in St. Clair Shores, but many of the same similar sort of racial dynamics. Uh, and that is that, that there has been a long perceived 
uh, bias in those, in, you know, in those sort of first ring suburbs about how black people in those communities are treated. And, and it's serious and it's real and it needs to be addressed. And I, I'm proud of the fact that when I was mayor, we were very, we very actively um, had that conversation as a community. We were working on those issues and we implemented really some of the most progressive police reforms in Oakland County. Um, Can you give so me some examples? We of were those? aware of that bias, yeah. um, that perception of bias. Um, on the numbers, um, Stephen, keep in mind that most of the tickets are written on 8 Mile Road and Woodward because those are the largest streets in Ferndale. So I don't think the racial makeup of the of the of the drivers is is the same as Ferndale, but 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 that doesn't matter. Um, the 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 important thing is that there's a perception that not everyone is treated fairly in Ferndale, and we wanted to very much address that. And so, the yeah, reform, can you give me some examples of the things that that you did to reform police practice yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. One of the things that we did is we adopted President Obama had a task force. It was called the President's Task Force on 21st Century Policing. Yes. It was mm-hmm. basically urging communities after Ferguson to adopt a community policing model. And we adopted that in Ferndale. Uh, and, and our police department is committed to that. And, and some of the recommendations in there, for instance, are body cameras, for instance. We, and so we made the investment. We were the first count, we were the first city in Oakland County to make the investment in personal body cams for our officers. That's a recommendation right out of the president's task force's recommendations because it helps, you know, it helps give credibility and, and, and confidence to people that interactions happen correctly. We did an we did an external um, independent evaluation of all of our policing practices and and policies uh, to make sure that they were in alignment with you know modern day policing standards. And then the way you're judged on this is to be state accredited. And very few cities in Michigan are actually state accredited to their police departments because it's a very difficult process and there's lots of reforms and, and, and changes that you need to make. But Ferndale has committed to doing that and is actually close to being one of the few accredited police departments uh, in Michigan. And so all of those things were implemented in an effort to make sure and to demonstrate um, that Ferndale was, in fact, a, a fair and welcoming place for everyone. Okay. Dave Coulter, Oakland County Executive on the ballot in August for the Democratic primary to serve a full term in that role. It's always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much for coming by. Great to be with you, Stephen. Thank you. Yes. And a reminder that next Wednesday, we will speak with Dave Coulter's opponent in the Democratic primary in August, Andy Meisner, who is the Oakland County Treasurer now and wants to be the Oakland County Executive, will join us to answer the questions about why he should be the next Oakland County Executive. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to have a conversation about the end of Michigan's pandemic eviction moratorium. We're going to talk about whether we are on the precipice of another big housing crisis here, especially in the city of Detroit. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.